Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast about to douse you in some pure, unadulterated wholesomeness. Wholesome. <laughs> Today, we have Kellen, Laura, and Lindsay. Yeah! That's right, everybody. The Coven is back for our most wholesome episode yet. Last week was fun, but also a bit of a bummer, <laughs> mostly because the tax bill is a bummer or like the world is a bummer. But it's the holidays and we've decided to make this one a real nice episode. We mean nice literally because this episode is about kindness, being kind to your comrades, being kind to yourself, all that good stuff. Yeah. And we kind of feel like this is not something that's talked about enough on the left. We're working really hard to create a world where socialism, blah, socialism, not socialism, <laughs> socialism exists in our lifetime. And I think a crucial piece of that is being really nice to one another. If we are to rely on one another in a societally meaningful way, that means we have to step it up in terms of niceness. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite small thing to do is get really, really freaking excited when I see the people I care about. Because for me, friends are hard to come by, especially when you're an adult. Like, I feel like when we were kids, it was like, boom, you can make some friends and just, like, pass dirt to one another. I don't know. I grew up in the country. But, (laughs) (laughs) But, like, as an adult, it's, like, very challenging for me to even make friends. And so... Friends are hard to come by, and when you have good ones, it feels really good to celebrate the crap out of them. Yes. Absolutely. I think kindness is a really integral part of the movement uh, in maintaining cohesion among those who are already within the movement and also in attracting other people to it. Mm. Obviously, people want to spend more time with people who are kind, and so much of organizational work is outreach, which, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously works better when... uh, the people who are doing the outreach are people with whom others enjoy interacting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Of course, as usual, I think it's really important to define terms here. And I want to talk a little bit about what I mean when I talk about kindness. Because sometimes deference and refusal to address difficult topics for the sake of preserving the peace look like kindness and feel like kindness because you're looking out for someone else's feelings. But I don't think that that's necessarily kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, kindness is definitely about looking out for your impact on others and on trying to make sure that it is overwhelmingly productive or at least not destructive. And I think that for the most part, kindness is fostering the well-being of others. So it can be about building self-esteem in others and showing them their value, which is probably the most immediately gratifying (laughs) version of kindness. You know, giving people meaningful compliments or making small gestures to show them that you were thinking about them feels so good. Like, I love that so much. I mean, like Mm -hmm. Laura said, just getting really excited when you see someone you really like, that it feels good knowing that you've made someone else feel good. But also, I think that there are ways to encourage others to grow and engage in necessary self-criticism with kindness. Of course, taking the time and energy to figure out how best to have hard conversations doesn't always feel great, but it is one very important way to invest yourself in others' well-being. And of course, this is kind of tangential, but I also think it's pretty important to address the gendered understanding of kindness. Yes. (laughs) Because nurturing and subservience have 
typically been coded female and directness and aggression have been coded male. So manifesting kindness has traditionally been a task left up to women. Yeah. It's yeah. possible, if not easier, for men to get ahead by being assholes, but that is historically and still does leave a lot of people trampled underfoot, which is typically regarded as acceptable collateral damage when mm. men do- when men do it. Mm-hmm. But because women are generally also expected to be deferential, the only kindness available for us to manifest in many cases without being perceived as bitchy or shrill is the complimentary self-denying form. And uh, speaking truth and love with regard to things that really need to change isn't something we can get away with a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know kindness kindness is a bonus from men. Like when I meet a man and he's just he's so nice, I'm like, "Oh my god, that guy is so nice." But I tend to expect it from women and femme people, at least, you know, to the degree that we're sort of deterred from causing anybody to engage in self-crit that might make them feel kind of shitty about the things that they should feel shitty about. Mm-hmm. So gender roles, I think, tend to leave kindness entirely out of the question or omit a full half of the picture. Mm. So the TLDR there is uh, destroy the gender binary, speak truth and love. (laughs) Yes. This is like Um, one of those times where I wish people who are listening could see us as we're doing this because literally the entire time Lindsay was speaking, I was just sitting there like nodding. Like these are all, (laughs) I agree with everything and she's saying it so much better than I could and just yes to all of this. I do Uh, feel that way when you talk a lot, like both of you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A lot of nodding. Guys, we're building each other up. This is a great example of kindness. (laughs) We did it. We are about to start our interview with Communal Sauce, and as a heads up, we are going to talk about calling in versus calling out. So for people who aren't really familiar with what calling in is, it's the opposite of calling out, which is basically, you know, dunking on people or like dragging them publicly for mistakes they've made or shitty things they've done. Calling in is essentially addressing it with that person privately first before making a spectacle of them for the sake of, you know, your own clout. I think this kind of goes back to the adage, criticize privately, praise publicly. And so I just wanted to make sure that we had a good working definition of what we mean by calling in before we continue to this interview. Yeah, let's do it. With us today, we have a special guest who has thought a lot about these things. You may know her as Communal Sauce from Twitter, and you can find her musings under the same name on Medium. I think it's worth reading her Medium bio out loud here. It says, I have no idea what I'm doing, except that I want to be kind. Welcome to Season of the Bitch. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad you're with us. Yeah. Thank you for for reading my my medium bio because I I think that that I have no idea what I'm doing is is an important thing to to preface a preface preface what I say <laughs> because inevitably I'm going to make mistakes and I'm not coming to this as an expert or telling people what to do I'm just sort of suggestions uh, that I feel quite strongly about but still suggestions. Yeah. Mm. I I think this the humility that 
we're experiencing right now is in and of itself an excellent sort of suggestion. So I, I think it's to dive right in. You've written a lot about what people, people generally, people on the left specifically, and people on Twitter especially, do wrong. But rather than diving into that right away, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about why kindness is important generally. Sure. My approach to the world is that we are all born innately good, and then stuff happens that fucks us up along the way. Some people end up in situations in life where perhaps they get fucked up more in certain ways than others. And being aware of that, like being being kind to one another, being understanding, not immediately jumping to conclusions, but assuming good faith is one way I think that we can reduce a little bit of the impact that that has on our interpersonal interactions because every single one of us is inevitably gonna fuck up in one way or another and it's it's not so much that we do or we don't fuck up it's how we deal with our fuck ups and how other people deal with our fuck ups that that makes i think can make a bigger and more long-term impact on on the world yeah that's amazing i'm so glad you kind of started with that because one of the more fascinating pieces of the some of the articles I've read by you you write about this innate goodness of people and you describe it as um, and I'm quoting you here I hope that's not super awkward (laughs) you say we're prisoners of our material conditions and oppressive systems the big three being capitalism white supremacy and the patriarchy along with creating trauma misery and structures of inequality and hierarchy These systems shape our thoughts, beliefs, and actions and damage us in a myriad of ways. And that was really striking to me because I feel like a lot of people on the left, and you shared with us before we really started here, that theory is not where you're coming from, which I think is really important in a lot of ways. And I feel like the left and a lot of, you know, leftist Twitter is molded (laughs) by traditional Marxists. And they wouldn't maybe talk about things in terms of innate goodness or badness, but speak in more neutral terms where we're molded by those same systems that you describe. And so I'm really fascinated. Sorry, this is like the longest question ever, but um, (laughs) I'm really interested in where you came from this perspective of innate goodness. And if you could describe kind of where you were coming from and why that's been your philosophy through this. Just a major question to ask you. Yeah, just, just starting off with the easy ones. Um, I actually, that's not something that I have hugely interrogated, but my growth through through the years, a lot of work that I've been involved with has been in the public sector. A lot of work has been in the, the non-profit industrial complex. And mm-hmm. as many, as problematic as that complex is, it also allows has allowed me to see a lot of different people and then a lot of commonalities between them. And a lot of the commonalities that that I see is that people are trying their darndest to survive and that we may do that in, in maladaptive or hurtful ways, but the reason why we're doing that, the reason is that we as creatures are trying to survive another day. And that, especially when you see communities that have evolved organically or extended families and see the ones that have so much love where that might be the only thing really holding them together, that's informed quite a lot of of my views. 
I also think that a large part of it is I used to be incredibly cynical and for whatever reason, maybe the past five years, that cynicism just ended up being replaced by almost naivety, (laughs) (laughs) which has led to me getting into some some bad situations or assuming people are perfect when when they're not. And that's kind Mm. of been part of the modulation that I've gone through of realizing that everybody may be innately good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they always do good things. Right. Mm -hmm. There's probably also, as you can tell from my voice, I am not from the United States originally. I grew up in the UK country, which has a state religion. And most of my interactions with that religion, although I'm not a believer and I didn't, I've not been um, confirmed or any of that, a lot of that, the central message of of don't be a dick to other people, and the central (laughs) message of... Of humanity as special, not not special above creatures or special above animals, but every single one of us having specialness inside us um, has also mm. informed that. Yeah, that's a real spirit that's of super Christmas, interesting. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I also have done quite a lot of study in psychology, well, undergraduate level study in psychology, especially especially social psychology and interpersonal psychology. And although psychology is often seen as kind of a softer science, I think that there's a lot of stuff in there that holds true and can inform the way that we that we build our future. Prefigurative politics is a big thing for me, which is mm. we build our systems, we build our organizations, our groups, our chapters in the way that we want our future to be. So if we want our future to be one that is egalitarian, one that is giving voice to people who traditionally have been voiceless, then a better way to get that would be to start with our own groups, to start with our movements, to start by making sure that people who traditionally don't have a seat at the table have seats at the table. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. When you started doing this work, did you make a conscious decision? You know, you did briefly speak about how you were a cynic and I feel like it's almost a natural progression to kind of be moving through the spectrum of naivete and cynicism. But did you make a conscious decision that you were going to work on kindness in the left? Or did it happen, you know, more by chance and happenstance? I think it happened more by chance and happenstance because I was one of one of the people who was shitposting about it the most. (laughs) Um, If you have spent any time on some places that can be pretty contentious, for example, left Twitter or left Facebook or some groups, you see that it is it's often easier to dunk on somebody than it is to respond in good faith. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I'm conflicted about because on the one hand, some people dunking can be a way to get our ideas across. But I think it's also turned people against the movement or led to people leaving or not investigating the left that otherwise might have might have found a home here. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I've met so many people who have, like, they might be more, like, liberal-leaning, but they have told me that it's, like, I don't know, SJW culture, like, the whole... I mean, they they assume that calling people out is, like, social justice culture, and that's what leftism is. 
And it's such a turnoff for them that they're unwilling to investigate any further when there's so much more to it and there's so much goodness here. But of course, like the most visible manifestations on Twitter and Facebook, you know, the ones that get the most traction with other people are the ones in which just people are dunking on someone who made a mistake. So I think you're absolutely right there. And that's one of one of the things that, that I said in Left Twitter and the Social Death Cult is I feel like we often go to the call out because it's the only tool that we have. It's the only thing that we've seen has worked because you we, we saw with the, the Me Too movement and things like that, that it was started by something pretty close to a public call out. And in cases where somebody is doing harm and we have no other way to get our issues addressed, that the power of putting stuff out there in public and crossing your fingers and hoping that you have enough social capital that that your side, quote unquote side, will be the one that people listen to. Mm. It's not that calling out is something that we should never do, but it's something that should be part of our toolbox and it shouldn't, in my opinion... It's, it's not healthy for it to be the first thing that we jump to. Absolutely. Right. I also think it's like the distinction that's been made between punching up and punching down can be really important in that, you know, just like shitting on somebody that's somebody that you're working with or like want to work with or organizing with or whatever, especially for something rather trivial is generally not a great idea but there's sort of a difference between doing that and then you know like calling out an abuser who is in a you know a situation where they have more power than you do for whatever reason whether it's you know that our bureaucracies are inept and unable to deal with these things or they are in a position of economic or political power that you don't have access to that sort of stuff i think there's it's definitely important to be conscious of power dynamics too when we're thinking about sort of when it's appropriate to say to be negative i guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially if you are doing a call out in the context of existing online communities there's there's not only the power dynamics uh, the existing levels of privilege of you know white cis cishet man versus somebody who isn't but there's also the issue of who has more social capital which is you know Mm -hmm. somebody who has five thousand followers versus somebody that has 20 followers um whose whose Mm -hmm. tweets or whose um, messages are going to be more seen who is going to have more support going to have more people that they can turn to if stuff goes badly you compare a brand new twitter account with like five or six tweets and and a small number of followers to going up against a chapo host Mm, mm -hmm. who in that situation Mm -hmm. is more likely to survive making a call out who in that situation is more likely to survive being the target of a call out i'm really hoping that as we as we develop and, and test and build and improve our behavior accountability structures and and procedures that we will have enough other options for addressing hurt than jumping to the call out there are i think definitely times when a call out has to be made example that i often think of would be if somebody has committed a sexual assault Mm -hmm. and there is a high likelihood that they are going to do so again or if it if somebody is refusing to engage with what happened and this is the only way to get them to engage with it but it's not something in my mind that should be taken lightly 
Yeah. All right. So I want to make sure that we try to end this on a, this conversation on a positive note. So what does your ideal left look like with regard to, you know, how we treat each other and that sort of thing? What do you imagine like best case scenario? Before I go into that, I I want to kind of set the stage a little by talking about um, a social psychology concept that's called the fundamental attribution error. That is a something where in order to explain the behavior of somebody, we're more likely to attribute it to their disposition rather than to external factors. Mm-hmm. So if an entrepreneur is successful in business, we're more likely to think, oh, they succeeded because they're smart or, oh, they succeeded because they're a heartless leech than... Mm-hmm that they were lucky, that they succeeded because of random chance or because of having privilege. We jump to this innate uh, something about their disposition or who they are as a person. Or when, um, when we talk about people who are in poverty, this tendency for some people to blame it on people not being able to bootstrap themselves mm-hmm. versus mm. someone being in systems of inequality and generational poverty. And that fundamental attribution error is something that I think serves capitalism incredibly well and neoliberalism because it puts the focus on this idea that everything is individualistic, that everything is about you and just about what you bring to the table. So my ideal left is one where we are interdependent, one where we have the ability to take each other's perspective, where we, I I won't say where we care more about others than we do about ourselves, but where our our patterns of behavior and and interactions are ones where we assume good faith at least once and it's it's more holistic more healthy in my mind kind of more loving which does sound a lot like kittens and puppies and flowers but i th- i think that we can we can at least have that as a goal and shoot for it because if we shoot for something high and don't get there, we still get pretty darn far rather than if we shoot for the bare minimum. Mm. I wanted to ask you one more question. <laughs> I know it's kind of circling back to something we were speaking about before, but we spoke about Colin Cook call in culture and transformative justice a couple of weeks ago when we wanted to think about how to approach mass sexual crimes, you know, thinking about if close to a quarter of the population is doing this specific crime, like how do we approach that? Especially when we're against the justice system that is currently in place. And you speak about that in your articles and you write, quote, calling in comes from a place of good faith happens in private, is constructive, focuses on rehabilitation and rebuilding solidarity, and recognizing each of us as victims of broken systems rather than bad individuals. And I know we, you know, spent some time on this, but just before we, you know, close out this section, I didn't know if you had any tools or ideas that people can actually put into practice this cultural shift because I do think call in culture is in and of itself a cultural shift because we're just so not used to that that type of communicating and that type of justice I personally am still doing a lot of of research on restorative justice and transformative justice but I will plug the work of two wonderful comrades I will plug the work of Ravi who is on the NPC and who has talked to me personally about call-ins and and that's sort of how to go about 
structuring a call in so it's most effective. And then for a larger, for kind of a larger view, Twitter user Nia Bryce, whose article about being gentle to each other so we can be dangerous together is one that I linked to from my social death cult article. They've put together or they've done some research and looking at what the left has been has been dealing with and talking about and and sexual assault on the left is something that we were talking about back in 2005 Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. clearly it's not a solved problem yet but i feel like they've pulled together some some good resources that we can at least learn from those who've gone before i don't have a good answer (laughs) except we gotta keep trying and hold hold some space to keep trying with what we've put in place before we jump to abandoning it but also know that we may have to go outside the existing structures in order to best support people who've been hurt one of the difficulties with doing call-ins is how do you know that this person hasn't already been called in about this before how do you know that you're not just doing the same call-in over and over again and not stepping to the next level and i don't know hopefully that there are thinkers out there and and comrades out there who have who have some resources and and advice well thank you so much yeah i mean it's it's an impossible question so (laughs) thanks for answering it either way yeah thanks for starting me out with something easy and then ending with something easy as well (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm sorry no it's i'm just like the nerd that's like i saw you wrote this exact thing (laughs) and i'm just really interested in it Yeah, I think self-crit is also a very helpful tool if Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. orientate it towards improvement rather than beating yourself up. So instead of saying, I am a shitty comrade because I did this, it's, I did this, how do I not do it again? And here's why it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, I think, yeah, this is a good, good note to end it on. Thank you so much for coming on Season of the Bitch. Thank you so much for allowing me on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Of course. Well, Don't forget to follow at Communal Sauce also. Yeah. And if you (laughs) are interested, like 97% of leftists, I am on a podcast. Um, I am a part of the uh, Left Coast Media Podcast Collective, and I am on the North Bay, that's spelled B-A-E, podcast yes. uh, along with two other anarchist or libertarian socialist um, comrades talking about a lot of shit <laughs> i'm sorry i cussed Hell so much yeah. <laughs> check it out yes absolutely good stuff all right well thank yeah, you again. thank you again this is awesome thank you so much for the second half of the show we're gonna do something a little different You'll get to hear each of us in a conversation with somebody special to us, musing on kindness and whatever that might mean for each of us, personally, politically, or whatever. I hope you all enjoy. This is Lindsay, and with me I have my friend Celeste. Celeste, welcome to Season of the Bitch. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Uh, Celeste and I go to law school together. She and I met in orientation, like, back before we even, I don't know, in law school you're divided into sections and you're told that you're going to spend all of your time with people in your section, but during orientation you're not really sure who is actually going to be in your section. 
um, and who you're supposed to make friends with and who you're never going to see again until, you know, your second year. And Celeste and I wound up sitting next to each other in orientation and then wound up being in each other's section and uh, sitting next to each other in criminal law and near each other in all of our other classes. So it's it's so great to <laughs> finally have you on my oh, podcast. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it turns out that's true. You do spend all of your time together. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was not expecting, I don't know, I just, I should have believed them. Right, yeah. Here's them. You uh, what to expect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Celeste is also, Celeste and I are two-thirds of what we call the, well, what I've started calling <laughs> <laughs> the pierced wife squad, um, because we are just married women with nose rings. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> and we have, like, the full nose covered, too. Yeah, exactly. We've got uh, nostril. two nostrils and a septum between us. It's perfect. Yes. So, Celeste, I asked you on the podcast for this episode because when we were discussing what this episode would be about, Kellen mentioned that she wanted to do an interview of someone she valued. I think she's actually talking to her mom. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's so sweet. Right? And so she suggested that we all just interview somebody who we care about and talk about kindness with them. And the first person to pop into my head was you. That is so, so flattering. And thank you so much. I'm (laughs) glad that's what I give off. Like, I really do want people to just, like, feel good and be happy and to know that, like, I will do whatever I can for people. Absolutely. It's, like, really empowering to be like, somebody gets me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Anyways. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I know we've, we've talked a lot about your... I guess, desire to empower people and just kind of your philosophy behind being so nice and uplifting. And I was hoping you would talk a little bit about that here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have been really fortunate in my life that I have been surrounded by really good people pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, my background is a little checkered maybe. Like, you know, I didn't have like a very traditional family unit. And so I had went through some hardships growing up and it was always the people outside of my family that were the biggest supporters and kind of recognized like when I had a need for something, they could fill that need. And they, mm-hmm. they did it just like literally out of the kindness of their heart. And those are the kinds of interactions that always stuck with me. So like I recognize like where I am now, I would never have been able to do had it not been for all of the amazing people that came, like willingly came into my life mm-hmm. and chose to like not just shower me in love, but like literally like just provide even material things that they didn't have to. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, you know, your family like kind of has to like provide certain things for you. But like, I mean, my best friend growing up, like her parents basically took me in as one of their children and like provided food and clothes for me, took Mm -hmm. me on vacations, did all the things that they knew my family couldn't do. And they did it just because they cared about me and they wanted me to have a good future. Mm -hmm. And that sticks with you. You're like, that's, that's incredible when you think about like a, basically a stranger kind of like showering you with that kind of like love and support and they were always, like, encouraging me to, like, you know, follow my dreams, do what I, you know, do what would make my heart happy, and just, like, mm-hmm. telling me, like, you can do it, and that, like, has really kind of made me how I am now, like, I want to give that back to other people, because you don't, you don't ever really know where someone is in life, but, like, right. sometimes the smallest thing, like, just a nice, like, affirmation could really mm-hmm. make a difference, like, right. I always think, you know, that, like, example, like, the drunk girls in the bathroom, how, like, yes. you're like, oh my god, you know, you, like, connect with someone, like, mm-hmm. I kind of want to, like, be like that all the time, like, if I see somebody who looks great, be like, you look amazing, like, you're a stranger, I don't know you, but I'm going to tell you, because you might need to hear that. That's so, perfect. I don't know, like, that <laughs> kind of started in childhood and, like, realizing mm-hmm. that, like, I had all of these people who had no reason to be involved in my life and mm-hmm. to support me choosing to do so. And it's, like, 
that's something that you can do that takes nothing away from your life. It only right. puts back and only gives to other people. Yeah. So that's kind of how I want to be. Like, I want to give that to other people. I want other people to Definitely. feel, like, supported and empowered and, like, do your thing. Do what makes you happy. <laughs> and I definitely get that from you. Oh, um, like one of my favorite things about you, though, is that like I can tell you anything, like anything. You know, so <laughs> many of my secrets. <laughs> and I, like, it would never cross my mind that you would share them with anyone. And that's such an incredible and rare trait. Yeah. Like I don't know. I just most of the things that I share with people in confidence, I share, knowing that like there's a good chance that they'll tell somebody. But I know also several people have approached you asking you for, like, information about something, and you're like, I take my role very seriously. I am not going to tell you anything, and I love that about oh. you. <laughs> good. I'm also hoping that, like, is a good quality that carries through through my law career. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, that is a really, e again, like, another, in my opinion, easy way to show that you respect somebody. If you, mm -hmm. can, if you can respect their privacy... And to just not, you know, not judge them and also yeah. to not divulge what is important to them. Like, that shows that you do care about someone. I, I think that it does. But also, you need to have people in your life who mm -hmm. you can just kind of, like, have that confidant, you know, that you can tell those things to. So, it's on. It's so flattering. I'm so honored that you see that <laughs> and you think that. Because I do. Like, I take privacy very seriously. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't ever want to be that person. that like, oh, well, I told Celeste this, so now everyone's going to know. Like, that would be, like, literally the worst thing someone could probably say about me. So... I don't think anyone would ever <laughs> say that about you. <laughs> good, good, very good. But yeah, but like I do, you, you want. I want to create like a safe environment with people too. Mm -hmm. and like that they, even if we're not even that close, that we can, you can just like have a breakdown if you need mm -hmm. to. Because I get that. Like I, I've had plenty of breakdowns, and so like if you need to have a moment of just being mm -hmm. like vulnerable, or if you just need to share something that you don't want everyone else to know, like yeah, it's important to me that like people can understand that like I won't touch them. What they say to me stays only with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be spreading gossip right. and things like that. So. And that's been something else for me, too. Like, I've noticed that whenever I vent to you about something, it doesn't... You don't, like, absorb it. You don't, like, try and solve it. But you will commiserate, which <laughs> is so validating. Like, it's... I've also been there. Or, like, if I haven't been there, then it's... I completely understand and, like, you know, recognize that emotion. And you're not wrong for feeling it. <laughs> Awesome. You're just like one of one of my favorite people to talk to. So. I love this. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm like literally like almost gonna cry. You're saying so many nice things, and I just like love it. But but again, like, these are things that like I don't see in myself. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of incredible to hear it from somebody who actually. I'm really sees glad it. that it's good for you too. <laughs> it totally is. But again, like that's so important. Mm -hmm. Like. My whole life, I have been in some form of a toxic relationship, whether it be, like, through family relationships or, like, actual romantic relationships, where the people who, like, were in control were always mm -hmm. trying to, like, invalidate my feelings. Yeah. And that eventually have come out on the other side and realized, like, that is horrible thing to do to a human and yeah. so it is so important that when somebody is like going through a struggle or fe feeling any emotion whether mm -hmm. it's good or bad like they need to be validated because that's your emotion yeah. and nobody can take that away from you and nobody should mm -hmm. like you are 100% entitled to feel the way that you do and you shouldn't need somebody to be like I don't know no one should just ever be able to kind of like take that away like yeah I just I feel very strongly about that <laughs> like that's something where I'm like no like be mad 
you know, be upset, you have every right to do that. So I'm, I, I always want to, like, encourage people, like, you know, own your emotions. Don't mm-hmm. let someone take it away from you because that's just, I feel like that's healthy. I don't Definitely. know. I feel like that's healthy. And that's how, like, when people are trying to manipulate you, that's, like, one of the first things mm-hmm. I feel like they do. Like, try to tell you, oh, you're stupid for feeling this way. I'm like, no, right. you're human. Exactly. And being human is a really good thing. Yeah. It's a really raw, beautiful thing. Definitely. Well, we are coming up on time. Um, (laughs) So is there anything else that you want to say on the air? Um, Support all women. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) That's my big one. That's a good way to end it. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast, Celeste. Thank you so much for having me. You're about to hear an interview with the person that I respect and love most in the world, my mom. So I hope you guys enjoy. All right. So I'm here with my mom. Hi, mom. Hi. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to talk to you today because you are literally the kindest person that I know. And I firmly believe that if any part of me is kind or embodies kindness, it's a part that I got from you. Well, I I wanted to talk to you today about kindness and just start out by asking, why is it important? Well, first of all, I have to just tell you, there's no greater honor than to have your daughter feel like you, uh, at least for me, think that um, I'm a very kind person. But I do think kindness is so important. It's probably the one characteristic that we should sort of strive for almost above everything else. And, you know, whether we fail at the time, I think kindness for me, over a lot of other words, it encompasses so many things. It encompasses empathy. It encompasses fairness. It encompasses thoughtfulness, being conscientious. So you can you can be kind and you can be uh and you're being fair and you're kind and you're you're gentle and you're kind and you're thoughtful and you're kind and you're thinking of the world beyond yourself and so to me it really is the word that kind of brings all the things that I want to endeavor uh to do together as one so if you were to imagine a world where everybody strived for that kind of kindness, what do you imagine it would look like? Well, I I think it would be where we are always thinking about where somebody else is coming from, not being quick to judge, trying to understand their their concerns or needs, and and at least uh, giving that as much thought as our own. So. If, if we really fulfilled all that, I think it would be a place where there wasn't or there weren't people hungry, there weren't people in need of care, and uh, to the extent, essentially, that there wouldn't be people who were alone or really uh, in need of much of anything because we would all be looking out for each other. How can we strive to make that a reality in our day-to-day lives, do you think? Well, there's a couple of things. I think I think small kindnesses are small acts are important. Just the hello or the nod or saying a kind word to to anybody really. I think 
uh, helps just in a little way make the world a better place, looking out for people who might need an extra hand, uh, whether it's in line somewhere or just, you know, on the subway or whatever it is. I think those little acts of kindness uh, are important and create a different mindset for everybody. Um, I think that people start to feel better than themselves when they feel like they've done something that made somebody else feel good. So I think that there's just the small things, and, and then, of course, there's the bigger things. And without getting completely political, just in terms of looking at what you're doing and, and who you're voting and supporting and so forth, that you do look at it uh, always with an eye to how that impacts others beyond yourself and how you can help others beyond yourself in a more substantive uh, way also. Uh, so I think those things are important. Standing up for others is, is, and, and modeling that is, is important. Making the world just a, a better place for all of us to be. Yeah. Well, I know the world is a better place for having you in it. <laughs> and I wanted, I guess, to ask one last question um, okay. before we wrap it up. On the show, we are sometimes somewhat critical of men, but I have to say that, and maybe this is going to sound biased to the listeners, but one of the best men that I know is the other person that you raised, my brother. And while I can't say whether you've done a good job raising me, uh, I can, from an outsider's perspective, absolutely say that's the case uh, with Davis. And so I was wondering, as you, you know, brought a couple of kids into the world, first of all, was that scary? And then secondly, how did you try to raise us to be the best people that we could be? So I guess what I would say about all this is that I really, you know, as a parent, believe in unconditional love and a selflessness that uh, if you decide to be a parent is so important. And that doesn't mean nor do I think kindness means that you then do anything and everything for a child. And I'm sure both you and Davis can uh, attest to this, that they want. But I, I, I think that, you know, there first is a background of, of just um, having that, that unconditional love. And then I think the other thing is, is just trying to be the person you want your children to be. And, I mean, I can't say that I said, oh, this is how it works. But I really feel firmly that the harder I try to do the right thing and be a good person, that then that is the um, environment in which you are. And I, I certainly, I think, you know, tried to talk with you all about issues that I felt like were important. I know I made you read books um, or asked mm. you to read books that would, you know, show what happens when the world goes crazy and when we don't think of others, whether it had to do with civil rights or Nazis or fascism or just just the uh, importance of not allowing the world to be that way. And so I, and I do think to that extent, I wanted you to be aware of, you know, the horrible things that have happened and how important it was that we didn't allow those things to happen and, you know, just make you aware also, I guess, of in many ways how how lucky we were. Um, and I think if you feel that way, it's a lot easier also 
to be more empathetic and kind. Absolutely. All right, Mom. Well, it's um, (laughs) been an absolute pleasure and honor talking to you. So excited that I got to have you on the show. So I'll let you go, but uh, thanks again, and I love you. I love you, and uh, it was such an honor to have you ask and to know that you uh, think of me like that. So thank you so much. I love you, sweetie. is the greatest and most kind person and this week is about kindness (laughs) so here's how I feel like these conversations may be a little awkward because I was like Hannah you're the kindest person I know why don't I have you on my podcast to talk about kindness and she normally like a normal person I mean was like well how can I talk about me in terms of kindness because that's weird. You it don't feels know, weird. Yeah, you don't want to, like, talk about yourself in that. So we're going to find ways around that. Because I just know Hannah's kind, and y'all are going to have to take my word on it. So It feels like I got nominated for a really nice prize, but all I'm prepared for is to say, thank you. <laughs> that's such a nice prize. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how I got it. <laughs> that's such a... Or award, not prize. Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, like the kindest friend award. I'm just like, well, thanks. That's all I need. <laughs> I didn't even need that, but it's a, it's a plus. It's a extra. This is just an example <laughs> of what I'm trying to say. Okay, so one of the things that I notice with Hannah is that she really processes things. Like she takes her time and thinks things through. And when I was kind of thinking about her as also being one of the kindest people I know. I was like, maybe those two things are linked. And so I just wanted her to maybe talk about how you think about things and how you see that as being different from other people. Well, (laughs) I don't know because (laughs) I've never been inside somebody else's brain in that way. But frequently I see people do things that I wonder like how they could possibly actually follow through on that action if they had thought about it and (laughs) and 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 sometimes the only answer to that is they just must not have thought about that Mm -hmm. and like I feel like there's not much that you jump into without thinking about it or in terms of like when it comes to interacting with other people specifically yeah I mean I guess it sounds like it's a good thing because it's makes other people like interacting with me or feel safe interacting with me. And and I like being cautious and kind of, like, in control of my interactions. But I think the flip side of that is, like, when I do kind of let loose and, and have a good time, frequently afterwards I just spend a lot of time thinking, like, I was not thinking through every single thing I did in that interaction and mm. was everything I said and did okay. Like, totally. did I did I hurt anyone's feelings like even for a second and I like wasn't paying attention enough to miss it and yeah I, I like to process things before they come out which would probably make me a bad podcaster <laughs> you know I because I just like hmm, is that exactly what I want right I edit right constantly right and I think that like you think of all the potential outcomes often. I feel like when you're talking to someone, you're like, well, 
like, Hannah and I have known each other for a long time, and I remember one of the first times I ever heard you kind of, like, talking through your decision-making process. <laughs> you, like, really go to the fullest extent of something. You're like, well, if I do this, then this person might think this thing, and I will then have to respond in this way, and then what will they think? So you go, like, <laughs> ten steps ahead and kind of think through what the possible scenarios could be. Yeah. It's, in some ways, it's kind of fun. It's like a, like a choose-your-own-adventure game where you get to, like, sneak peek at what you think the chapters would be. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I guess that would be a really good way to describe my decision-making process is I frequently sit there and, like, imagine the different outcomes that I could foresee resulting from something and then, like, following each of those just a few steps down the road and then kind of gauging, like, okay... If I thought through five steps for each of these options, then which which one seems the one I want to pick? Whether it's right. the easiest or accomplishes the most amount of whatever or, you know, just feels the most true. Yes. When you see how the world is and whether that's, like, between the right and the left or between, like, factions of the left... Do you have advice for how people can, like, possibly intake the terror hellscape that is the world in news form and still behave on some level with compassion with one another? Oh, (laughs) what kind of interview question is that? (laughs) I think that everybody's got to find their way that they feel good about what they do and that they can just get through the day sometimes and uh, it's hard because I I have like some guilt about the way that I deal with things well how do you deal with it (laughs) well I just feel like things have been so horrible and I want to know about it but I get to a point where I feel like it's really hard to make a difference and Mm. there's certain things like with the FCC and net neutrality where the public was overwhelmingly opposed to what happened before it happened. Right. But everybody who voted for it got paid to vote for it. So like what, like we did what we needed to do. Like there were all sorts of petitions and like, I think that everything that we could have done was done and it didn't matter. And it's not over yet, but it's just, sometimes I just like to pretend that that doesn't exist. And that's, but it's like a privileged position to be in. Like not Mm -hmm. everybody can pretend that these things aren't happening. Right. But I think that if you can even find five minutes to not pretend it, sometimes that's, that's okay. Wait. So we are freaking out about Star Wars earlier. Yes. And I'm going to feel super cheesy for saying this, but there's that moment in Star Wars where she said something to the effect of we need to stop driving out what we hate and start, like, saving what we love. And I super agree with it, and I also super don't, because sometimes you really have to fight right forces of evil or, you know, for what you believe in, and, like, there has to be conflict involved in that, and I'm not a pacifist. Like, I, you know, I think sometimes, like, you just... Gotta shove You have to fight. Guillotine. Like, yeah, you have to... You have to be forceful if something's meaningful to you, and especially if human rights are being violated or, like, yeah. yeah. 
about about injustice you have to fight but you also have to remember the things that you love and that you care about and um make sure that you have that too but coming around to feeling I don't know how you phrased it but I I guess what I do is I try to feel empathy or compassion for people and I use (laughs) science sometimes as a way to do that like there's super interesting clear science about why evolutionarily we become certain in beliefs and the more and more we become challenged in those beliefs the more we cling to what we're certain Mm. of like there there are chemical physical biological reasons for this human behavior and really like I don't think that many people have changed their minds throughout history from being yelled at and being pushed at and even Mm. though I say like there are times when you have to get up and fight there are so many more times when you have to shut up and listen and even if you don't agree and even if like something that someone sounding is saying sounds like so totally unbelievable to you Mm. there's a reason that they think that there's a bunch of reasons that they think that and it's usually rooted in their upbringing and their family and any number of things but we all have our own versions of echo chambers and as terrifying as it is to think like sometimes I just tell myself for all the reasons that I think maybe this like right-wing political group is so so very wrong they feel every bit as strong in their conviction that I'm so so very wrong and there's absolutely nothing that they can do that would change my mind and there's absolutely nothing that I can do that can change their mind like even people who don't want to support welfare programs or something like there's something in them that's so sad <laughs> and that's maybe a judgment call on my part but like there's something in them that's vulnerable and like afraid to have things taken away from them and maybe they've had things taken away from them and mm. maybe they have worked really hard to get where they've gone and maybe in the grand scheme of things they had it way easier than someone else or like they got out of a tight spot but somebody's in a tight spot and they should help out like they're still so scared and vulnerable that they can't do that and even like billionaires still feel scared and vulnerable and I this could be me totally projecting but I feel like the bottom of that is that we're all humans and we don't really know why we're here and it doesn't matter how much money you make like everyone's still scared really like of dying at the bottom of it (laughs) (laughs) did that go go way 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 too far survive and fear that like everything's trying to keep us from surviving (laughs) Laura it's amazing because I I agree with you that like at the end of the day everyone's afraid to die and everyone is exploited by the system but I am way more cutthroat for the mega wealthy like you're angry (laughs) I mean I'm angry too but I'm also like you're so sad like (laughs) I wish you could just see that none of these things you have are making you happy. 
No, I know. And I wish you could just see that, like... Right, but, like, they are... That this is just so not fair and that you could make it fair. Like, I I don't know. I wish, like, that... I wish I could just wave a magic wand and make that feel empowering to them. Yeah, but also, like, for me, I'm like, this group is completely winning out based on the system being the same. And they spend shit tons of money. Like, in the scenarios that you were saying before of, like, welfare and, like, whatever, different tax things that go through net neutrality, like, being bought out by people. The This capitalist class is literally benefiting from these things. Yeah, no, it's super messed up. But for me, like, so, but for me, I'm like, yes, like, you're probably fucked up, but guess what? I'm fucked up. Like, we're all fucked up. Yeah, but, like, we're all fucked up. (laughs) Like, people, people don't exist on that scale of, like, when it's, when they're the ones benefiting from it, they're not like, oh, like, you have to have at some point numbed yourself to exploiting other people to get super rich. Right. Like, you have to. So if that's step one of getting rich, that's, like, the whole thing. Like, that's just who you are now. Like, you accepted that a really, really long time ago. Damn. Continued getting rich. And, like, it's weird because I don't pity them. I'm not like, oh, poor, poor you. But I'm also like, poor you. You sold your soul to the devil and you don't remember doing it. Right. Yeah, like, I, I wish I knew, like, a concrete example of more, like, s- social psychology and, and that would be applicable to this, but sometimes I feel like we have no control over, like, our bodies and our minds and what we do at all. Like, there is so much that's already programmed in our DNA, and, like, I think about nature versus nurture all the time. Like, <laughs> I that question... We're finding out more and more information, and the more information we find out, like, the more that question will never, ever have one answer. In some ways, it seems like everything's already written in your genes. And Mm. in other ways, it's like people have this amazing ability to adapt and to change and to, you know, fit new external stimuli. And But there are certain characteristics of the human brain that have developed to keep us safe from things that are trying to harm us and those adaptations just don't fit in a lot of ways in modern society and we can't really reprogram that. Right. I think like what it comes down to in some ways and what I'm hearing from you is like you have such like a deep empathetic approach to the human condition because you're thinking about all these things on all these levels and I do think that that is one of the things, and I know, like, it's awkward for you to talk about, uh, I'm just saying from my perspective, that, like, makes you such a kind and considerate person. It's because there's so much going through your head all the time when you're interacting with a person or even, like, seeing what someone is doing. And I think it's really easy to be really angry on the left and, like, not only take genes into account, but, like, the social structures that have either pushed someone up or brought someone down but having that awareness and being like, so we need to approach this differently instead yeah. of getting really angry, I think is really important and is something that the left could use more of. Yeah. We have so much. <laughs> so. Good luck, <clears throat> editor. <laughs> Thank you. We gotta wrap this up. Okay. But I'm so glad that you were able to come on Season of the Bitch. Thank you for sharing your kindness and general self. And cheers. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Yay.
so that about wraps it up for us. Hopefully this week helped you think about positive ways we can push forward in the left. As always, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Season of the Bee. We're also on Facebook. You can send us your music at seasonofthebee at gmail.com. We also have merch. We're going to have some new merch. And rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Yeah. Become a subscriber on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, share us with your friends. And be kind to one another. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Yes. Be kind. Have a good time. Be kind and have a good time. Love you guys. (laughs) Love you. Love you. (laughs) Love you. Bitch.